BDNG podcast. My name is Tina McKenzie and I am the Education Development Lead for the BDNG. I hope you enjoy listening to the BDNG podcast and find them beneficial to your practice. These podcasts are sponsored by Amaral. Amaral has no influence over the content of these podcasts. Happy listening! Hello and welcome to the BDNG at Harrogate. My name is Ashton Cleary and I'm a clinical nurse specialist at Dermatology. And today with me is my lovely co-host, Emmanuel Tony. Hello, and I'm an ACP in Dermatology. And this morning we have got the amazing guest, Fiona Elliott, who works in Leeds Primary Care. And we are going to speak about photodynamic therapy, so all things PDT. Welcome to the podcast, Fiona. Thank you for having me. So first of all, do you want to tell us a little bit about who you are, your background, and um, yeah, how you managed to um, become so specialised in PDT? So my name's Fiona Elliott. Uh, I've been a dermatology nurse for 33 years, um, and I've worked in all different roles in Leeds. Um, and I have then specialised mainly in PDT for the past 12 years, It's just one of my areas of interest, but I also do medical dermatology as well. Fantastic. And what made you get into PDT specifically? Well, PDT is one of those treatments where um, it is a treatment option for non-melanoma skin cancer. And it's just like any other treatment option like cryo or uh, topicals. And um, I started working for a pharmaceutical company um, at the beginning and they offered PDT, and um, that's where I've been. Um, my area of interest has been for the past 15 years, is in photodynamic therapy. And what is PDT for those of us that don't know listening? So PDT, or photodynamic therapy, is a treatment option for non-melanoma skin cancer, and it's where the patient has an application of a photosensitizer to the area that has got uh, pre-malignant or damaged or neoplastic cells, And you use a a light source, whether it be a red light or natural daylight, which is the new indication, newer indication. And um, when you shine that light or shine the daylight, it kills off the precancerous, cancerous or neoplastic cells and leaves the good skin undamaged. Fantastic. And so what are the indications for using it? So um, you said non-melanoma skin cancers. Can you use it for anything else? Um, So for the red light, or they call it conventional PDT, that is used for actinic keratosis. It's used for superficial and nodular BCCs and for squamous cell carcinoma in situ or Bowen's disease. And then for daylight, the indication is just for um, actinic keratosis or the concept of field cancerization. So those uh, men who are follicularly challenged, who have got areas mm. of sun damage over their whole head, that is now the concept of field con- uh, cancerization. So we've talked a bit about their indications. Are there any contraindications for PDT? So um, there's not many contraindications because you could never overdose on light or on the photosensitizer, but uh, pregnancy is one, it, you can use it in that. And if anybody has got any sort of light conditions like porphyria, you can use it uh, on those type of patients. Okay. And what, what are the possible side effects then of, of PDT? Well, there's not really um, that many side effects like topicals. There may be a bit of inflammation, which is good because you need the inflammatory process to then kill off the um, neoplastic cells. So there might be inflammation and tenderness to touch. There might be a bit of um, scabbing over, but that's only quite short-lived and by about day 10, things have cleared uh, and settled. 
Thank you. And and does it does it hurt for those who who have never treated someone <laughs> with PDT? So conventional red light PDT is um, can be quite uncomfortable for the patient, depending where it is. Mm-hmm. So if you have PDT on the top of your head, backs of your hands, or on lower legs, then it can be quite painful because. When you do conventional PDT, you put on the photosensitizer and the patient goes away for three hours. So they've got a long incubation. So when you shine a light on, when you shine the red light on, the reactive oxygen species is already under the skin waiting to be activated. And it's been like that for three hours. So that sudden burst of red light and and photosensitizer creates an inflammatory reaction under the skin. So patients will say it feels a bit like burning or somebody's jabbing a bit like hot poker on the skin. Mm -hmm. But actually, if you felt the red light, it's completely cool. It's just LED light. So that's what they feel in the first minute or so. But you can use things like nurses are very good at talk anesthesia or vocal local Mm -hmm. uh, rather than using, um, um, you know, um, um, local anaesthetic rather than using local anaesthetic because that can be quite painful for the patient and also trying to use topical anaesthesia knocks the timings out because you've got to use that so nurses are in a great position just to talk the patient through and the lamps normally are about 10 minutes so in that 10 minutes you can normally chat away to the patient and and help them through and use maybe a bit of water or some areas of used I've got a, a laser cooling device mm-hmm. or some areas use music. So, you know, and play whatever music. So there's always ways around it. Unfortunately, um, when the patients come and they've never had PDT, they are um, quite anxious when they first have it. But for superficial and nodular BCCs and for uh, squamous cell carcinoma in situ, they have to have that repeated a week apart. So the patient has to come back and have it again um so but yes it can be now daylight is a bit different so daylight pdt uses a a shorter incubation so you put on the photosensitizer within 30 minutes they go out into the natural daylight and they have the treatment over two hours so it's nice and gradual uh, and sedate for the patient so they find that almost painless but with the same efficacy of red light um pdt Fab. And do you want to, if possible, do you ever just talk us through a typical kind of patient journey when they present to you wanting PDT? What's the conversations you have with them when they first arrive? Uh, boring question also about documentation. What do you like to document? And kind of what is, yeah, the typical treatment for them? So with regard to PDT, normally it's the consultant or, or the registrar and clinic that offer the, the selection of treatments for non-melanoma skin cancer. So we know that if it's a small lesion, it can be cut out. Surgery is the best, uh, the gold standard. But there's some areas like larger areas and arms or abdomen or lower legs for elderly that you didn't want to cut out to cause like maybe leg ulceration. So they would chat through the treatments options. When they choose PDT, they should be given the information um, at that time. Now, when they come to clinic, sometimes the patients are not fully aware of what's going to happen. So the nurse then has to start from the beginning and explain the procedure. Then they will take the patient consent and it's all, normally it's written consent um, and they will consent the patient. 
And then what will, they will do is then start the, the treatment process. So they will um, use a alcohol wipe to clean the area to make sure there's no grease um, or any debris or makeup or things on whichever area they're treating. They will then use, this is for red light PDT, they will then use whichever implement they're happy with, um, a scalpel, a 15mm blade, Deborah Soft, to remove all that crust and scale that's on the area. They then will apply the, um, then they will mark out the area. So in PDT, if you've got a single BCC, for example, like surgery, you take a margin and you would mark it out with a marker pen. Um, about a, a five millimeter margin, and then you would apply the photosensitizer a millimeter thick. Then you would put a, a clear dressing and then a light dressing because the patient goes away for three hours, and you don't want the treatment to be activated while they've gone for a coffee or somewhere outside. So they put a dressing on, and then they come back after three hours. You clean off the the residual. Um, photosensitizer and then you position them about five to eight centimeters under the red light and they're under there for about 10 minutes and then once they've had that area treated do you advise them to put sunscreen on at all not for the conventional so what they'll have is they will then have um, a dressing applied for 24 to 48 hours and then when they do wash and shower whatever area we just advise them to um, dab it dry and, and keep it clean um, for that time now, with daylight PDT, it's a bit of a different um, treatment regime. So what we do with daylight PDT is it's important that you use sunscreen. Now, we, people say, why do you need to use sunscreen? But we've always told our patients that it's the sun that's caused the actinic keratosis in the first place, and then we're placing them outside in sunlight or daylight. So the patient will come and they will have a sun, chemical sunscreen applied. Now, the chemical sunscreen is important because it blocks out UVA and UVB but allows natural daylight through, whereas a physical sunscreen contains zinc oxide, iron oxide or titanium dioxide and blocks everything. So it's important it's a chemical sunscreen. We have that applied. We let that soak in. And then um, it sounds dark, but then we use the alcohol wipe then to take off the residual sunscreen that's not soaked in so you get a better absorption of the photosensitizer. Then that's when you would scrape the um, crust and scales off for a scalp, for example. And then with regard to daylight PDT, you put a thin layer of the photosensitizer and then off they go out within 30 minutes. So they might go, if they live locally, they could go home and have the PDT done in their garden or they can walk their dog or they can play nine holes of golf. Some people have done all sorts. Or some people just like to sit in their garden and read a book. And they do that for two hours. And normally in the NHS, we don't block up the clinic so they don't come back. We just give them a call and say, how did you get on? And they would wash it off um, at home and then apply a sunscreen or a hat for 24 to 48 hours. With uh, aftercare, do you give them information leaflet to go home with in case they did have a reaction? Like, what do you tell them to look out for? Yeah, so most of the most of the clinics that do PDT will have their own aftercare leaflet with the telephone number of the treatment room for the nurses. Um, but normally, the nurse would give them a ring. But they do have the number in case there's any sort of 
uh, redness, swelling or irritation that they're unsure of. So they can just take their normal um, paracetamol. Um, we tend not to do so much um, for anti-inflammatory type because we don't want to reduce down the inflammatory response because that's what kills off the, the neoplastic cells. So the, And they can put a bit of uh, ice on or whatever. But the main thing is that they just w- watch out for any redness, soreness. Mm-hmm. It doesn't break the skin, so there's no sort of damage to the skin surface. And then the, they'll see the patient back in about three months and then can repeat it if necessary. And you mentioned earlier um, that the efficacy... Of- um, is the same between the daylight and the red mm-hmm. light. So do you lean towards one over the other in the clinic then? Is it easier to do the daylight version and then would you get more people in your list? Yeah, well, that's a good question. The conventional, it, it tends to be um, seasonal. It tends to be, no, daylight tends to be seasonal because in this country it's very difficult sometimes to manage a clinic with daylight depending on where you are in the country. So we've got the clever physicists um, from Dundee who did all the research uh, have plotted out the areas in the UK where you could do daylight. So for me in Leeds, it's not a lot. You can't do daylight up until about April till October. But if you lived in London, and as, as long as it's above 10 degrees and not raining, you could do it all year round if you wanted. Um, and people down in Cornwall and Devon, if it's above 10 degrees, it, it's fine, but... As you work work up further north, the temperature <laughs> drops a, yeah. a lot as the the months go on. So you can't do that. Um, but um, yeah, so conventional you can do all year round if needed. So daylight is a bit trickier for the nurses in clinic to plan, and they're always looking at their weather apps and things like that. So amazing! I, th- I think you've you've you answered that question very well, and it, it's true. Like how, how can you really plan for that? It can mm-hmm. it can be difficult. So, do you have um, a group of physicists? Uh, I, I'm sure you do link to the department that you you can communicate with on a regular basis. The um, there's a, a group of physicists who there's there's a couple of centres in uh, the UK that are PDT experts like Dundee or or Manchester, um, and they have physicists that work out what adequate amount of light you need to do daylight and things like that so most of the time there is a a device called um it's a light sensitive device so you just take it outside and you would just check that it has more than 11 units of light which is called lux and if you've got eleven thousand, then you can do daylight pdt so it doesn't have to be a sunny day Mm -hmm. it can be quite a cloudy day as long as it's dry and above 10 degrees then you you can do daylight pdt Okay, and so it's just the nurses in the department that would have that. Yeah. Yes, perfect. Yeah. So thank you so much, Fiona, for everything uh, so far. So we're just going to end the podcast now with your top tips and take-home messages uh, oh. for the, the dermatology nurses listening. So the top tips would be, first of all, for the consultants and the registrars seeing the patient in clinic, is to ask the patient to moisturise whichever area they're going to have PDT about a week or two before. Because this helps the nurses in clinic, rather than having to perform a curette for some of the areas, things are nice and soft, so it makes it easier for the nurses. So one to two weeks before the treatment, on the area that have PDT, soften it. Can be with a normal moisturiser, urea-based one, depending on how thick. So that's a good top tip. For the patients, um, if the the nurses tell the patients maybe to take paracetamol um, after they've gone away for the three hours before they come back, 
um, for the light because sometimes it can be um, a bit painful for the patient. And again, just talk to the patient, continually talk to the patient throughout the procedure because it does help them. Because the patient, um, when they go under the red light, the patient has got darkened out goggles. So it's a bit difficult if you suddenly touch the patient and you've not warned them that you're coming near. So things like that is just keep the patient informed of what you're going to do, where you are um, around them, you see, for the 10 minutes so they don't get a bit anxious. So keep on talking to them. And um, basically, it's not a lot else, the top tips. The moisturiser is the key because it does help the nurses when they're starting to do um, the clinics rather than scraping off all the, the thick keratin. Well, fantastic. Thank you so much for that. Hopefully we've uh, you've managed to get the message out there and improve a bit of practice. So thank you very much for your time. Thank You're you, welcome. Jenna. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. For further information on the BDNG, visit our website bdng.org.uk and watch out for the next BDNG podcast, which is coming soon.